0: Hi, this is Chris Johnson, and you're listening to Vicki Ableton's The Road Taken.
1: Hi, I'm Vicki Ableson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside.
2: The warmth and wit of Vicki's writing knocked me out.
1: In, in a good way, not not like Cosby. Too soon?
2: Vicky wrote a book?
1: Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it.
0: Available on Amazon.
1: Quick Impressions is a full-service commercial printer with pricing that competes with online wholesalers. The difference is their customer service. From business cards, envelopes, brochures to mailers, presentation folders, DVD and CD packaging, cartons, signs to calendars, and I've used them for just about all of those things myself, including the galleys and bookmarks and signature plates for my own book, and custom designed tissue boxes and notepads and labels for women who write. They've done it all. Um, and I ain't easy to please, as you well know, DJ. And they always blow me away. The quality of their work is stellar, and they're the nicest people ever. That's Quick Impressions. Hold the C. Quick. Q-U-I-K. Ask for Rick, but that does have a C. And then tell them that Vicki sent you, which also has a C. And they will love you up. You can find them at quickimpressions.com for all your printing needs.
2: Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken, Celebrity Maps to Success. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicky.
1: Hey, Wheezy. Hey, Vicki. Hey, so, um... Are you having a good day today? I am. I uh,
2: am having a a great day. My friend Taylor Williamson, a really funny, wonderful, adorable comedian, came over oh. for water. Oh, for water. Yep, yep. That's Wha- w- that's what he asked for, and I made him some really nice water. You made him some really nice water, yeah. and th- that. W- w- how far did he come to get water? Um, he probably came at maybe three or four lights. Wow.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sherman well. Oaks. Well, that's um. I I
2: like that. He's I, my neighbor, and he's been hmm. my friend since he was nineteen. And how old is he now? He's thirty-one.
1: I like that. Yep, I like loyalty and long-time. Boy, comedian.
2: He came in second uh, on America's Got Talent. Wow. Yes, he was beaten by someone who's not even an American. Who? Uh,
1: <laughs> what? What did? The, speaking of not being American, I'm watching The Man in the High Castle. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, wh- what did this person who wasn't American do to win?
2: I think the people that win America's Got Talent do kind of like magic-y, mm. acrobatic, theatrical, mm. Vegasy things. Mm. It was I wish I knew his name because mm. it's something Japanese, but I, I, he was mm. phenomenal. Mm. But he had a lot of illusion. Mm. Mm. And Taylor's just he just stands there and he's hilarious.
1: I like it. And the fact that he came in second is pretty amazing. Oh my gosh. Our friend Wendy Liebman did very well on America's Got Talent. She did, I love Wendy. Yeah, Wendy's fantastic and she was terrific and all she did was stand there and tell jokes. And you know, it's hard for them to compete with the spectacle and the the big stuff. Although a couple of people with really big voices have won because they can throw them right in Vegas and put them in the big showroom and they can attract a lot of people.
2: Yeah, and what Taylor did for his final performance Mm -hmm. because they said repeat one of your performances that was really good and Mm -hmm. he's like, but I tell jokes, I can't yeah. repeat that, and right. they were like, "Were you? Well, you're going to have to." So Taylor ordered up uh, a gospel choir, and huh. he had that the gospel choir do his punchlines.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, that's Taylor's his, a genius. That's hysterical. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's that's excellent. Um, I I just mentioned the man in the high castle. Have you have you seen this? I have not. But okay, I know I know the premise. Okay, so yes, the premise. I can't watch this while Trump is president. I'm already too scared. Well, I gotta say that it's it's eerily current um as far as the resistance and all of that um, it's, it's, it's giving me some tips on how to be a good resistor. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, the premise for those of you who don't know is what would have happened if the Germans and the, and the, and the Japanese won the second world war. And what's very unnerv it's very unnerving. I mean, the American flag has like a swastika where the States would be and the phone booths have swastikas on them and the kids in school, American kids are zig zigheiling. I mean, mm. Oh my God. But, but And music stands still because there's no rock and roll, because there's no American freedom. So music is stuck in the 40s. So we're still swinging. Yeah, we're still swinging. It's not even swinging, the 40s, before swing, really. 40s was swing. Well... I thought that was the fifties. Mm. Well, anyway. Glenn Miller. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, Benny it's, Goodman. it's really fascinating. And, and I just finished the first season with my daughter and loving it. Um, but anyway, I, that's what I was going to talk about. It, it's the season in Los Angeles right now, I guess because the Emmys come up in September. And so now they're getting ready for Emmy consideration nominations. So, the unions are bombarding everybody in L.A. with invitations to these screenings Mm. and talkbacks and receptions and Netflix I've mentioned it on here before it's just got the classiest thing going on with you know candy bars and open bars and you can play on the set they have like you know scenery and costumes and you can participate and take photographs and they encourage you and it's campaign season it's camp their campaign it's 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 Hollywood campaign season so like last night I took Samantha we went to one for this for stranger things and all the kids were there it was so sweet and and, um, I, I've seen this week, uh, intimate in the little room in SAG, uh, a talk back with Ray Liotta who shockingly, I never would have expected it. One of the funniest people ever. Wow. And my favorite thing that he said was, she said, is there anything that you haven't done that you'd still like to do? And he said, I'd like to kiss the girl and not have to choke her. <laughs> but anyway he was delightful and I saw one with Billy Bob Thornton this week I mean it's just been an amazing onslaught of like all of this great stuff going on and there's so much going on in Los Angeles now um, and one of the things that I got to do in the last couple of weeks I, I, I think I mentioned it on here before was I got to see um, a sneak peek premiere of this movie Hired Gun and which is about the side men for the stadium arena Musicians, so you know the Billy Joel guys and the Ozzy Osbourne guys oh, and yeah. all of that stuff, right? So it's the guys that are the band, that are the balls, uh, that they are the pocket of the these bands. The traveling they, wrecking crew. They are the traveling wrecking crew, exactly. And they're on the records and they're in the stadiums. And you know we don't know their names and we don't necessarily know what they look like, but we know their riffs. They we get ne- it done. They get and they are iconic musicians in the music that they. They create so my friend Liberty DeVito who's been with us. You know, Liberty created drum riffs for drum drum parts for Billy Joel that we know as we have as ingrained in our brain as the lyrics to the song. Like mm-hmm. if that part wasn't there, this song would be wrong. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, so these guys, so we're going to have a bunch of these guys because I got to meet them at this very cool event. And so one of them is going to be with us tonight. And I'm oh. I'm so excited. His name is Chris Johnson, and he's a drummer. Mm-hmm. And this guy right now could not be with us in the studio tonight because he's in Las Vegas with J-Lo. So he'd be looking at some fine behind while he be working up there in Vegas he is and he also plays he has
2: good seats for that
1: he has really good seats for 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 J-Lo for that he also um currently also works with Rihanna he's been with Rihanna for a long time um he's he's played with Stevie Wonder with Patti LaBelle with Seal with Nelly Furtado Anastasia Darius Rucker Fantasia plus he's He's backed up a bunch of gospel greats. I don't know the gospel names, but I'm going to say them because I'm sure there are gospel listeners out there. Kurt Carr, Donnie McClurkin, Dorinda Clark Cole, Beverly Crawford, and Norman Hutchins are just a few of the gospel uh, singers that he's played with. Um, It all started for him playing in church, uh, playing drums in the church that Mm -hmm. his father um, exposed him to. And I, I really am curious how... And he, he didn't plan on having a career in, in the music business. He planned on continuing playing drums in church and Mm -hmm. that was going to, and it wasn't going to be his vocation. It was just like his passion. Mm -hmm. But then he got seen by a talent scout for, from, or or a Maya's manager or something who invited him to come play. And that like changed his whole life. And this guy is young, um, uh, I don't know exactly what his age is and I, I I don't know if I'll be ballsy enough to ask him, but I'm curious because he's played with so many people that um, just incredible, you know, his life is playing stadiums and arenas and, and um, traveling and, and, um, and sessions and stuff like that. So he's one of the hired guns in the movie. So he's got the documentary out now of which he is one of the featured uh, players and that um, the movie is going to have a, a limited um, uh, uh, um, a sc- screening in New York and L.A., and I believe it's in one other city at the end of June. Um, they're doing like a June 29th. They're d- oh, it's several hundred locations. The, do- the documentary is going to be appear on June 29th. Um, Out of the Shadows and Into the Spotlight is their... their uh, tagline which i love and and it is nice to feature these guys and to put them in the spotlight because they are uh, i during in the film um Alice Cooper is featured he speaks quite a bit and a number of his musicians are featured in the thing and for Alice it's all about he feels to get the best musicians he can and to um you know when they're ready to go to to let them go but he's saying you guys should form your own band because you're great Mm -hmm. like you're the best you're the best guitarist you're the best drummer you're the best keyboard player if you guys all put your own thing together you know you just need the front guy Mm -hmm.
2: but the front guy's kind of important it is it's a recipe
1: it is a recipe and it's like okay but i think these guys have the goods you know back in the day when i was a rock and roll promoter in new york these are the guys that I would feature. I would feature all the side men for these rock stars. And then at the pro jam, they would bring in the guys they played with to sit in with them. But when they would come and play at the club and be featured, they would play their original music. And these guys are like Steve Conti, We had him on the show. Steve had, you know, the, the, what, what is it called? The The best song in the, in the world, the best song in the world that we, uh, Steve, Little Stevens Underground Garage features, the best song in the world for like that week or that month or whatever and um he's had a couple of them and um you know he, he's just great you know just great but you know luck i every what what plays into our destiny what makes somebody billions of different variables l- right like when we move Luis, and and they see our pretty faces will we be um will we be destined for stardom <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our our ship is coming in. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see that. Um, anyway, so Chris has his own band, which is called Invented Like Stars, which I love. What a great name. And uh, is working on uh, its self-titled album, which is soon to be released. And this very day, as I said, he's in Vegas playing with J-Lo. And um, he can currently be seen in in Hired Gun. And I I, I cannot recommend this film highly enough. It was so... Amazing. Do do you remember that there was one about the Wrecking Crew? I can't. uh, There's the
2: Wrecking Crew. They're standing in the shadows of Motown. There's twenty feet from Stardom. Twenty feet from Stardom. These
1: movies are. I. I.
2: That would be my diet. I mean, I'm like so in love with these types of films.
1: Yes, me too. I I want to know everything about music. Fascinating. And so. And so, this you're going to love. Hired Gun. You're absolutely going to love it. It's. It's right in that vein, and. uh, And a lot of these guys. Have incredible personality, mm-hmm. you know. Some like I can't remember which of the Wrecking Crew. One of those movies was a little on the dull side, but like I loved all the, all the facts that I got and and listening to the music. But some of the people weren't that colorful. They were kind of journeymen, you know. This is what they do. But um, these guys are all because. They, because uh, the Wrecking Crew guys, a lot of those guys never got out of the studio.
2: Yeah, those were studio personalities, and so yes. to be to be big enough for a, a big arena.
1: Different. Yeah,
2: totally different. different skill right. Set, yeah.
1: They're throwing the sticks oh, yeah. and they're they're playing those guitar and they're doing all that stuff. So yeah, these guys have those flamboyant personalities on top of the talent. Mm-hmm. So it just takes that film to a different place, which was really exciting. Anyway, I'm excited. And, and we're going to get like a whole different perspective now because I, you know, um, well, I mean, yeah, we've, we've had a few, we've had a few of these guys on, but I look forward to hearing Chris's story because he's got his own. So Louise, let's welcome to the road taken Chris Johnson. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am so happy to have you here, and I want to introduce you to my producer, Louise Palanker, who happens to be a drummer. So. um... Oh, hello, Louise.
2: (laughs) Hi, Chris. You may have me uh, just a little beat in this um, (laughs) in this skill set. You may have me, and I, I concede.
1: That, that was a that was like a really bad pun. You might have me beat. Did you do that on uh, purpose? No, I didn't No, not. you didn't. No, I did not. But um Louise is That's actually
0: actually pretty good. I'm, I'm taking <laughs> that one.
1: <laughs> Louise uh, um does play the drums, but she's also like a brilliant producer and she's she created Premier Radio, one of the one of the founders of Premier Radio and has done all this amazing stuff. She teaches kids comedy and has her own fabulous podcast and journals out loud yeah she's a pretty amazing woman but in the drumming department i think you can whoop her ass but i i i before we get into like what (laughs) you're doing now which is pretty amazing i want to talk to you chris about how this all came about because i was reading a little bit of your your background and i was just talking about it with louise on the air that you started playing in church so how old were you and how did that happen and well
0: my dad at the time was pastoring a church so um I had no choice, basically.
1: <laughs> where um, Where did you grow we up? Were,
0: I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, South Central, actually. Um, and we were, you know, in church basically every day.
3: Every day? It was
0: uh, four brothers. It wow. was four brothers, you know. It was four of us. So I'm the youngest of four, but we all picked an instrument to play and kind of like grew up, you know, learning and playing. I, I'm the only one. Uh, out of my immediate family that still kind of like still plays like on a consistent basis, Uh but everybody in my family is super talented and mom and dad saves and stuff like that. So it was, I think it was just, it was destined for me to be where I am, but uh, I guess I didn't see it at the time because of, you know, how I grew up and, you know, church is not the absolute biggest market where people you know, come and look for musicians. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of us do come out of church,
1: for sure. Absolutely. And so how old were you when you started playing drums? Oh, uh, professionally? No, uh, no. How old were you drum. when you started playing with your family?
0: With my family? Oh, well, my mom told me, I don't actually remember. Uh-huh. Which is weird, yeah. because I, I feel like I uh, I had to delete, like, childhood memories out of my brain to absorb all of this music. <laughs> Which is weird. I'm a musician, so it's, you know, creatively, I have to, like, strategically find ways to keep learning new stuff, like, you know. Wow. But my mom told me a while ago, I was about six or seven, um, just kind of beating on pots and pans first, and then I couldn't reach the pedals of, of the drums and stuff yet, so I could only, like, you know, play like a snare drum or a floor tom at the time. And then, you know, once I, you know, got tall enough and old enough to kind of play the kit and kind of interpret what I was hearing, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I, I guess I was about nine or ten.
1: Wow. And and were you were you self-taught or did you have lessons or how did that?
0: No lessons, uh, just wow. like radios and, and the music and gospel music and stuff that my mom and dad played you know, around the house and stuff like that. But just kind of like trying to mimic what I heard, you know, on records or CDs or, you know, the VHS and watching award shows and stuff like that.
1: Right. And what kind of music did you like when you were a kid? Aside from gospel music, which you were playing, what kind of music were you listening to?
0: Well, at that point, it was only gospel music Mm. because, you know, my family, you know, coming up in the church background, Mm -hmm. you know, was very strict. And, you know, selecting, you know, stuff that you allow in your space, such as music, was one of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. you know, with my dad. And, you know, we, we couldn't we couldn't listen to the devil's music.
3: Right. You know, anything
0: that was gospel or anything that wasn't, you know, Christian-based music, we could not listen to. We weren't exposed to until, you know, I actually moved out uh the house around 19 years old. And... Uh, that's when I was exposed to, like, the other genres, which kind of helped me, I think, in embracing, you know, just the other styles of music and kind of, like, listening and, like, kind of putting my ear to to things that I gravitate to in, in all the genres, really, um, and helped me grow up pretty fast. You know, in the professional realm, you know, I had to be a fast learner, you know, because I didn't hear these songs and these type of music, this type of music I didn't get to play all the time, so I had, you know, I had to kind of settle myself down and discipline myself enough, you know, to learn other styles of music and take on other genres and stuff like that, so it was a it was a pretty interesting journey for me in that time span, but um, I think I liked the way it came about because it made me appreciate, you know, the music that much more yeah, um, and learning and then playing it. You
1: know, you're blowing my mind that you hadn't like he- even heard this music, and now I understand why you had to make room in your brain for everything you had to learn because you had to learn a lot of stuff oh, yeah. really fast. Oh uh,
0: yeah, I one of the first musical directors I've ever worked with, name was Ricky Minor. Mm-hmm. He's still uh, thriving now in the uh, in the in the musical directing scene and uh, playing variety shows like American Idol and.
1: I know and, that name. Um, I was, is that, he's, he's a music yeah. the director for American Idol. Yeah, I, I know oh, that yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, and I would fill in for a drummer named Teddy Campbell. And, you know, it would be a country song. Then it would be a song from like Stevie Wonder. Then it would be right. something more current, uh-huh. like Nicki Minaj. And then, it, you know, you would have to play a variety of stuff. So, you know, you have to be a quick learner. You have to be very authentic. And you have to pay attention to detail and this, that, and third. so. You know, I had to grow it really, really fast in a short amount of time. Okay, so
1: so I want to go back a little bit before we go here because this is fascinating. I can't. So you, you weren't, you weren't even hearing that music like at friends' houses or like were you aware of it? Like if you were in a store and they were playing rock and roll. I mean, did you have?
0: Well, well, yeah, but I mean, like award shows, I I guess was our um, our hall pass in a sense. You know, we would watch. uh, American Music Awards and Grammy Awards and um, Billboard Awards and Uh stuff like that. But as far as, like, buying the albums and listening to the radio, like a secular station, you know, that's not happening in my dad's house. Right. So you weren't able to study...
1: You weren't able to study those songs like a lot of the other players, a lot of the other higher guns, or yeah. No,
0: of course I I knew who Michael Jackson was. I knew who
1: Stevie
0: Wonder was. Who Aretha Franklin was. You know, it was it was all of these artists that I've heard of, but but I didn't get a chance to like dive into. You know. So now I'm I'm kind of in a sense a a late bloomer Mm -hmm. when it comes to like my music education, especially in like rock and roll and and uh you know, in the funk world, you know, church is relative to a lot of those things which mm-hmm. made it a whole lot easier to, to kind of learn, but uh, you know, like the jazz era and all of that stuff, if if I had a head start on that, I, I couldn't imagine where I would be career wise. I, but I, I can't I can't complain about where I am currently, you know, yeah. now.
1: You've got quite a view, especially tonight or this week while you're in Vegas behind J Lo, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: it is quite the view, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and how do your parents feel about? Yeah, uh, your, okay, your, your
0: yeah.
1: Um, I, well, I was going to slowly are, get there, but let's go. Oh, sorry,
0: that's okay. Yeah, initially they they weren't they they weren't uh, excited about it um, at first, you know, and, and that caused a little conflict between myself and, and my dad at the time. Chris, tell um, tell us
1: how that happened because you got discovered in church, didn't you? I did. Okay, I did. So- a
0: lot of uh, a lot of musical directors in Los Angeles, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, so a lot of musical directors live in Los Angeles, and they go to these churches, and they all know each other.
3: Really? You know,
0: everybody knows each other, and if they're a keyboard player, they probably play at a church of their own on Sundays, you know.
3: Wow. Then
0: they do everything else on the side, and you know, maybe my church fellowships with this church over here, huh. and He's like, oh man, you you. I like how you playing, and I like what you're doing. Like here, you know, give me a number. If I hear of anything, you know, come up. You know, I'll keep you in mind. Like that kind of thing.
1: Wow, I had no idea. You know, just
0: somebody just discovering you, you know, and in in you and your element, and you just being you as a kid. You know, you just you just playing. It's not like you know, there's any pressure or anything. Right. So
1: so, so how old were so you? Parents,
0: when You know, they they really didn't they. They, they weren't excited about it at first until um, they saw that I was kind of keeping myself above water.
1: How old were you, Chris, when, when Maya's uh, musical director found you? Uh, I
0: was, that was Ricky Miner, actually. I was uh. 20 years old. Wow.
1: So you were 20 years old and you really hadn't really heard the music that much. but no. Okay, so now how long does it take you to be able to back her up and, like, get that whole knowledge that you need to do that?
0: I mean, I, I, I mean, as soon as I got the call, mm-hmm. you know, Ricky Minor, I have something for you. Uh, wow. Artist, her name is Maya. Check her out, you know, on iTunes, whatever. Uh, rehearsal starts at 12 on Monday. You know, wow. send your writer list to whatever, whatever, whatever. And so I would, I would immediately find out who my is. So I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this song before on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the other B-side songs and kind of getting together. So I would prepare myself that way. You know, we get to rehearsal, and then they'll call out a song list. And then if we have to program electronic sounds, then we'll have time to do that. But, you know, more or less, I think my, my uh, most nervous moment was, like, getting to a point. It was before then where I went on tour with, a gospel artist, go figure, uh, named Donnie McClurkin. Uh-huh. And he, um, you know, that was my first time ever playing with a bass player, you know, ever knowing what a monitor system was, because at wow. my dad's church it was just myself and my Uncle George, you wow. know, which uh, played the guitar.
3: Wow. You know, my
0: dad played organ a little bit, and he would get an organ sometimes, but that was my first time playing with, like, an organized band, like keyboard, keyboard. Uh, B three Oregon. Then you had bass, you had guitar, then you had some tracks and stuff like that. That was my first time. Oh my god! Like culture...
1: Your first yeah, time, so... and you're you're going out there and you're going on tour, and you've like never even been in a real band.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, and 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 it it showed a lot of character on on my part because <laughs> I didn't want to lose so bad. You know, I didn't want the decision that I made to join you know, the music business, Mm -hmm. you know, blow up in my face, you know, to my parents and be like, you you know, I I, I didn't exactly want you to do this, but, you know, now that you have done it and you have proven yourself, like, I really can't say anything. You're a grown man, you're paying your own bills, you're doing your thing, like, you know, more power to you, basically. And, you know, our our relationship, my mom and dad and I, you know, has grown so much greater and closer over the years just Mm -hmm. because of you know, me just taking a chance and stepping out on what I actually believed in. I believed in myself, so, you know, I made it happen.
1: Chris, when you were a little kid, did you have, like, dreams of what you wanted? Was it always – did you always want to be this, a drummer? Did you have other dreams when you were little of what you wanted to be when you grew oh, up? Oh,
0: yeah. I wanted, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to be drafted first round in the NFL.
1: <laughs> did you play? Yes,
0: you know not not to be super deep or anything but you know coming from the the neighborhood that I've, I I grew up in uh-huh. you know it's even a blessing that I'm even alive right now so it was even it it, it, it was either jail athletics or you would join a gang like that right. that's all it was. So I mm-hmm. played football throughout my childhood. I, I just knew I was going to the NFL mm-hmm. but still playing every you know, every time I'm at my dad's church I'm playing drums throughout the entire time. So it wasn't until uh I saw my cousin, my older cousin, uh playing for Boys to Men. Wow when Boys to Men first popped off and he plays guitar mm-hmm. and when he uh, when Boyz II Men did the American Music Awards, I was watching, sitting in front of the television. I, was, I, I called my mom out the room. I was like, Mom, that's Dave. That's Dave. <laughs> and yeah, my my, my, uh, my sister told me that he was playing with Boys to Men now. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I can really do this for real. Like, like I know him, and I can talk to him, and I can pick his brain and ask him, you know, what did he do, and what was the process, and I did exactly that. And wow. Dave Borman, you know, is accredited to a part of my career as well and you know it's just the journey like i said the journey that i took to get to where i am i wouldn't i don't regret anything i i I appreciate the way i came up because it made me appreciate what i do that much more so
1: i totally get that all right so i want to get this i I want to get this whole journey so so you're was it in high school that you were playing football when when, when was it that you were having this athletic dream that you were going to play for the nfl it
0: was it was definitely high school. It was between the years of uh, ninety four and ninety
1: eight. Okay, so tell us how old you are, because I can't do the math. I am
0: thirty seven years old. Thirty
1: seven. Okay, so, so you've been a professional musician for of like more than half your life here, basically. Um, Pretty much. Okay, so so you so you had this dream in high school. What made you transition from that dream to okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a musician? Was it just because opportunity presented that you gave up the the athletic dream?
0: Um. Well, my senior year, the I, I love telling stories, you know. So I I don't know if you know that by now, but I like <laughs> telling stories. Well, we want to hear them. One. Okay, this is a great one. Okay, good. Uh, senior year in high school, um, our Team makes it to the playoffs for the first time in, I guess, like 10 or 15 years. Nice. You know, so everybody's really, really excited. So mm-hmm. we get to the first round of playoffs. Very good game. Going back and forth. Score here, score there, score here. And we were up five points um, at the end of the fourth quarter, uh, with, uh was about a minute or so left. Mm-hmm. Other teams drove down the field threw a pass in the end zone, no time on the clock beat us by one point, right? Oh. So everybody was super, everybody was super down and mm-hmm. super like, just kind of heartbroken and crying and everything. And mm. I just kind of thought about it. I was like, man, you know, it's a disappointing loss, but I know now that I, I'm not going to play football for the rest of my life. <gasps> so the next thing that I really know is drums. So, you know, graduated that next month, uh, I mean, uh, the end of that year, uh-huh. the school year, and my dad was like, well, either you're going to get a job or you're going to go to school, but you're not going to sit around the house, you know. So I checked myself into junior college mm-hmm. and take a music course, and it lasted literally two classes. It took two classes for me to say, I cannot sit in this classroom, I'm really not... I I can't watch somebody point to a a board and tell me something that I'm already playing, but I don't really understand it. So it was confusing to me. It was frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I I couldn't take it. Mm. So I just walked out the class. I went home. My dad was like, what are you doing home? I said, well, I can't do the school thing. is not for me. I I, I can't do it. He said, well, what are you going to do? Because you can't sit around the house. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. But, I'm gonna figure it out and maybe about a two two or three weeks later um the guy that approached me in that in in the church that time was like, "Hey man, um, do you need any help with anything like I didn't have any drums i didn't, I couldn't play at home like it was it was a weird situation for me at home couldn't play drums at home, only could play at church, maybe in school, you know,
3: hmm.
0: but my cousin George that also played drums, first cousin, my uh, the uncle that I was talking about that played guitar in my dad's church, mm-hmm. and was his son, and he also played drums. He was playing with Donnie McClurkin at the time. Mm-hmm. He was moving on to another gig and called me and said, hey, bro, um, I need you to do this gig for me. I can't do it no more. My man's going to call you. Mike Burrell's going to call you. So mm-hmm. Mike Burrell called me, never had played with a band or wow. anything before then, uh, went into the rehearsal, super nervous, and then, you know, I just, I mean, I just tried to own it as much as I could. Of course, they had their, you know, the things, well, you know, kind of slow it down on this part and, you know, be more dynamic and, you know, let's do this and let's do that. And I never rehearsed with the artist at all. Wow. You know, until, until we hit the stage and sound check at Beacon oh. Theater in New York City. Oh,
1: my God. It was God. like.
0: It was, it was one of those things. It was like one of those shock things.
1: I cannot believe but, um, you made your debut at the Beacon Theater. I used to run the jam at the China Club I next door. I made my I debut at the
0: Beacon Theater. <gasps> Holy it, was, it was so interesting.
1: Wow. So now, Chris, are you playing things that you're imagining in your head, or are you quickly learning the drum parts that other people have played in that song? Like, what are you doing?
0: Um, more or less um, at the time, you know, when we're talking about Higher guns. Right. Know, we only were able to play the things that that uh that the artist required so if, if it if we didn't record the record mm-hmm. you know that's not us on those records so we have to like try and mimic right whatever the what was played on the record as much as we could get get as close to it as we could
1: and you're doing this all by ear i'm, I'm assuming you don't read music
0: um, I've learned how to read just a little bit, uh-huh. uh, to get by. I'm not like a, uh, like a virtuoso reader like mm-hmm. that. I, I, I'm not able to do that, but I do have big ears and I find myself, you know, if there's a rehearsal, then of course, you know, we can play it through one time and we'll be okay.
1: So now, na- so now when you were backing up this, this gospel singer at, at the Beacon Theater, does he have a record that you're, that you're learning from? Is that, is that, how you're doing it?
0: Yeah, they they would say, okay, well, go get this record. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in church, so...
1: You knew all that stuff? Of course, I knew all of those songs. Right. Anyway. Wow. So. Okay, so you start out at the... So what is little Chris Johnson thinking when he goes out on his first day playing with a band ever in his life, and he's on the stage at the Beacon Theater. What what, what the hell is going through your mind when that's going on? Was that crazy?
0: It was definitely a culture shock because no one, you know, no one told me about lobby calls. Nobody told me about this, that, and the third. It was always, um, you know, don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't. Don't go down that street. Don't do this. Don't do that. But I didn't know how to pack a bag. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Like, how many days are we staying? Okay, we're going from Friday to Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I at least need, you know, this amount of underwear. And, you know, I mean, just like down to the basics. I'm learning all wow. of this on the fly So it was definitely a shock, for sure.
1: And so after that that first song is done and the applause, ha- I mean, was that like the most crazy? I can't even imagine what that felt like to hear the applause for the first song of in the Beacon Theater in New York. I mean, that had to be crazy.
0: It was a rush, for sure. I, I didn't even know what to expect because, I mean, I just approached it as church since that was what I had done my entire life. Right. Uh, so... When I did, you know, when that moment came, it was it was kind of like just reminding of church, especially with the B three, you know, there as well, and mm-hmm. you know, it was really church based. So it, I definitely felt at home.
1: Right, right, you know, when right.
0: It came that big for sure.
1: And so, okay, so from that, what 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 happens from there? So you so you you tour you so you do a little tour with him, and then 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 what happens? Um I, I mean, because moved, you end up I with moved, Madonna moved, and J Lo and Rihanna and Stevie Wonder, and how does this happen? So, so you're playing gospel, mu- and you're not that old. So you're playing gospel music, and and what happens?
0: Um, after, I mean, just after that gig alone, mm-hmm. um, that's when the Maya thing happened. Okay. So you you start touring, and it's like, oh, who's that guy that's playing with Donnie McClurkey? He so, felt pretty good, mm-hmm. you know. And then I was approached by. Teddy Campbell and Teddy Campbell introduced me, you know, basically to Ricky Minor. Ricky Minor at the time was like MDing everybody at the, you know, at Mm -hmm. the moment. Right. That time, and so so many opportunities. The workload for Teddy was getting too heavy, so he recommended me, you know, on on a lot of those things. So that's when Maya came about. And after Maya, it was Maya for a while. Then it was Fantasia, the American Idol winner.
3: (laughs) God.
0: Um, it went from her, then my my cousin George was playing with Patti Labelle at the time, and he would he wouldn't be able to do a gig, and I would go and fill in for him. So I had to wow. learn all of that music. Wow. You know, and it, it you know all of that just kind of like gradually going, and then when Rihanna hit, that was when it kind of got a little more consistent with with just one artist for that time. So.
3: So you
1: were I'm working
0: with. I'm very and grateful for sure.
1: You were working with my friend Tony Bruno, then, yeah, with Rihanna. We yes, talked absolutely. about this. Yeah,
0: and, and I I met Tony Bruno on Anastasia. Wow. Tony Bruno actually called me well, I was on the gig before Tony got on the gig, uh-huh. and when he got the Rihanna um, gig, he actually called me directly, and they auditioned. Uh, bass players, guitar players, and, and keyboard players. And I told him who I would rather want to play with as far as uh, bass. And mm-hmm. they hired him directly and then auditioned the other cats.
1: Wow. And, and of all these, exp- like, how did you get to play with Stevie Wonder? How did that happen? Uh, same recommendation
0: uh, by Teddy Campbell. Teddy Campbell was sitting, um, he was in New York. And he had an emergency to get back to Los Angeles. And I was sitting on my couch, and he called me. He said, hey, man, how soon can you get to to New York? I'm here with Stevie Wonder, and we're rehearsing for some TV shows, and it's not whatever, but I got to get back to L.A. So um, I'm going to have Nate Watts call you, and um, he's going to get you squared away. So Nate Watts called me. He told me all the music to learn. And I was on a red eye flight that night in oh. New York.
1: And and what what was that like for you to, to be playing with Stevie Wonder? Oh my God, he's like a god. What what was that, that was, like?
0: Uh, that, I, that I mean, like I said, that was probably the greatest musical experience I've ever ever had. Wow, you know, just working with somebody that's currently on the radio and 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 still playing at a high level and still being able to go on tour with him. Uh, two years ago, like that was, that was
1: crazy. Oh my God. Crazy. And, and is he, oh, like I saw him play when he was little Stevie Wonder and he opened for the Rolling Stones. We're talking about like 1971, maybe a long time ago. He was just a little kid and already he was, he was, he tore the house down then. I can't even imagine what it's like to be on the stage with him with people who just worship i mean the love that has to be in that arena when he's playing just has to be overwhelming i can't even imagine
0: he's 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 a um you know like that gig we don't play with any tracks you know it's it's just straight up music straight up organic straight up like drums bass keys guitars him like uh, the harmonica and you know all of that all of that and and it it it, it's different musically because it's it's stuff that you listen to growing up you know even on the radio it's like wow i'm playing this song (laughs) i still deliver that i i heard on the radio
1: yeah that's oh that's just crazy and how how is he to work with as as a fellow musician like what's that like being in a band with stevie wonder
0: oh he's super cool yeah he's super cool he's what he wants, and and every musician that that plays with him respects him in that right. You know, he he wrote all the songs, so mm-hmm. he knows exactly how everything is supposed to go. Right. You know, so you know, just kind of keep your your impressions, you know, to yourself unless they ask for them. Like mm-hmm. he'll will ask. You know, yeah, yeah, give me a little more because I I want the youth back ah. in the sound. You know, I want I want that that young stuff that y'all be doing. So huh. you know we. You kind of found a happy medium.
1: Uh huh. Is there anybody that you've played for that has been like a taskmaster that it, like it hasn't been fun? Because you've played for some huge. I can't.
0: I can't really say that. I mean, I know sometimes it gets a little boring. You be on tour for like nine months. You playing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. You just got to try and make it new. You know, every night. Try and find a way to make it new and keep it fresh, to where, you know, you're interested in playing, you know, the parts that you're being played. You know, and the check that you get as well is is motivation too. So I right. mean,
1: Yeah. What What's it like playing with Madonna? Like how how is she with her band, with you guys?
0: Uh very hands on. Really? Um. Very very hands on and 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 absolutely knew what she wanted. Um. Mm Music-wise, coming from every instrument, um, she's she's probably the hardest-working artist that I've ever seen. Wow! I mean, with my own eyes, like wow! You know, there's a lot of hard-working artists out there, Mm -hmm. you know, but Madonna probably takes the cake. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, her name is so iconic. Right. You know, she's earned it.
1: I get the feeling, I, I got to see J-Lo talk uh, about um, her acting stuff, but I, I get the feeling J-Lo's probably got to be right up there with working her behind off, literally. She looks like a hardworking
0: she's woman. Definitely, she's, she's also a hard worker. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I mean, really, 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 really hardworking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she's shooting a TV show, Mm-hmm. And she's also doing this show, and then she's doing photo shoots and all kind of stuff in between. And, like, you know, similar to, like, Rihanna. Rihanna would record a record while we were on the road. hmm You know, we would tour, do it, do you know, she would record the record while we were out on tour. We'd have a little break, and then we'd be gearing up for the next tour, like, you know.
1: hmm But now Rihanna I've was having, like... a lot like, of female artists. Yeah, you have.
0: Yeah, but, but I, I mean, if I can just be honest, Madonna's probably, you know, one of the hardest workers.
1: I, sure. I, I, I really am happy to hear that. I'm happy to not have a Madonna bashing situation here and to hear something good. Because for somebody to be iconic, as you said, and to have the level of success she's had, she's got to be doing something right. I mean, she's got to be doing a lot of things right. Um, yeah,
0: I, 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 I respect the way she handled business. Mm-hmm. you know and that's just all the way across the board. you can however, it's real general when I say business, but however you interpret that, like she handles her business and and I like the way she handles her business. I, I pride myself on handling business correctly, which is why I think that I've I've been in this business for a while. like mm-hmm. you know I've, I've been sustained in it for a minute and it seems to just kind of keeps getting greater and greater and and the opportunities keeping, keep getting better and better for me and um i i appreciate that and i respect that from her like she's an she's an amazing businesswoman
1: so so when how long ago did you play with madonna um
0: it was um it was a couple of years ago so So i want to say 2015 i did the uh brit awards with her when she fell off the stage like when they pulled the cape and and she fell off the stage uh-huh. at the Brit Awards. It was a couple of years ago.
1: So is that something, is that a door that's still open, do you think? Um. Well, being a
0: hired gun, um, her drummer actually had a family emergency, and um, my name was one of the first names to come up to the musical director. So
3: nice. uh, I'm
0: just grateful for that opportunity, you know, like just to be named among, you know, those that play for these artists and. You know, for a long time, I, I really didn't. You know, I was kind of dumb to the fact, or I would say numb to the fact of like the artist that I played for. But I've learned how to kind of separate the artist and the business and the emotion and and try and keep everything in perspective. Mm-hmm. But you know, looking over my career over the years, like adding Madonna to my resume is like kind of <laughs> kind of crazy.
1: It's very crazy. And so, do you? Um... I mean cuz Madonna has a mixed reputation as far as her live performance goes. Have have you found her to be consistently strong as 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 a singer and is she when she's out on the road?
0: Well, I mean the 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 little the small thing that I did was only 3 weeks and it was promo. So we did mm-hmm. you know one show on the I mean one song on the Brit Awards. And we did two songs on three TV shows mm-hmm. uh throughout Europe on that same run. So
1: Okay, that's that's that, yeah. And and so how do your how do your parents feel now seeing what's happened? Like, do they have they come to see you play in like arenas and stuff? Yeah,
0: I, I've I've invited my parents to see me with uh with Stevie Wonder when we were <gasps> on the uh on the uh what was that the Wonder Summer Night tour that he did in 2007. Yeah. And they came, yeah. They came out to the show, and my mom, she's super emotional, and was crying, and like, you know, it was very cool to see, very cool. And I, I saw and felt how proud they were of me. And it was really cool. So now, really if you moment. if
1: you weren't listening to the music in the house, your fa- so your father and your mother knew the music, even though they weren't letting you guys listen to it. They were still aware of the music.
0: No, I, at that point, they weren't even really concerned about. Evie Wonder. Yeah. It was so you know, of course, yeah. the, his sig- his signature songs they knew, of mm-hmm. course, like, you know, you hear those, you can't help but hear those right. walking through the grocery store. but But, like, um, it was more about me finding my way mm-hmm. and, you know, them kind of being resistant to me in that regard. Mm-hmm. And seeing that it all came out okay, like, oh wow, well he's he's actually doing okay. We we don't have nothing to worry about. We raised him right, yeah. you know. He's not gonna be, you know, hanging out and doing crazy stuff and getting into trouble. We, you know, he's gonna be good.
1: And so I'm guessing that those award shows that you watched as a kid, um, you've gotten to play on quite a few of them. I'm I'm guessing.
0: I did. I've played. I've played the Grammys, Mm -hmm. I've played AMAs, Mm -hmm. I've played Billboards. I've even played Country Music Awards. Mm.
1: Who'd you play that Um, with? I have not
0: played played Latin Grammys. Mm -hmm. I haven't played, you know, like the Nickelodeon Awards, the Kids' Mm -hmm. Choice. I haven't done the Emmys. I haven't done, um, it's a few I haven't done that I would like to. I I
1: have a feeling that'll happen for you. Who'd you do the Country Music Awards with?
0: Uh, rihanna actually did oh. a duet with Sugarland
1: ah.
0: um that one year, and we were able to accompany her on a country song that she had did on that album um that she was uh doing promo for at the time
1: was was that trippy for you to be in that environment with the was that a different kind of scene for you yeah well mm. i mean this
0: country is a different it's a different world mm-hmm. i mean they're a lot, they're family based. Like everybody has a family. They don't really tour like we do. Mm. You know, they'll they'll tour during the, the weekends, but be home during the week. Mm. Like that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Do you have like a favorite artist that you've played with that that either the music turned you on the most or the person did? I mean, I know Stevie. I'm guessing Stevie Wonder's up there.
0: Yeah, you. you yeah, that's a that's a that's an unfair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know. Shop. Yeah, and and so is there something? Okay, so you said you haven't played the Emmys or the Grammys yet, and that's that's something you'd still like to do. Is there? Is well, there any? Well, I'll
0: play the Grammys, but not the uh,
1: Emmys. Oh right, I the Grammys. The I'm Emmys sorry. Yet. Right, it, and and the and the Oscars. Have you done the? Have you done that yet?
0: Not done. I've not done the Oscars.
1: Okay, so you've got stuff to aspire to, Mister 37-year-old. You've still got some stuff to live yes, for. Yes, you know. So, are there any? Are there any artists that you? Like like say oh God I'd l- I would I would love to play drums with behind that person is there anybody that like calls to you that way?
0: I mean, the signature guys of course like Sting mm-hmm. you know Phil Collins, mm-hmm. James Taylor you know though, Eric Clapton you know mm-hmm. of course those guys that that's when you I call that the, that's that's the pinnacle mm-hmm. like you can touch those like uh, Keith Carlock and all of those guys that play with. Um, Silly Dan and Don Fagan and all those dudes, Mm -hmm. man, I I think they just, they've reached a level in their career to where it's just like, well, you can just ask for anything at that point because, you know, these artists that I just ran down, they're they're not going to use just anybody. Right. You know, you have to be the the top of the top, the elite of the elite. Right. You know, to be able to, to, to play those gigs. And, you know, once I, you know, hopefully when I get there, you know, I'll be able to do one of those gigs one day. And who knows, Who, you know, it could be Lady Gaga at that level
1: or
0: yep. Rihanna at that level a little later. You know, it could be. I Nobody
1: have, knows. I have no doubt you'll be, I have no doubt. Um, And how does this affect, like, I, I'm assuming I know nothing about you, but like the whole drugs and drinking and all of that kind of stuff, I would assume that guys at your level can't really do that kind of stuff and do what you do.
0: I mean, it's, everybody does their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really not for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I pride myself on being the ultimate professional. So, you know, I never want to, you know, do anything outside of what I'm I, I'm called to do on a particular gig. So when, um, when it comes about in that manner, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess you just make the decision. I, I'm not, that that guy, like I said, I you know I I'll have a drink and I'll have fun. We'll go out and chill, but you know at whatever time is designated for me to be in the gym, mm-hmm. I'll be in the gym, mm-hmm. kind of cleanse my pores out, make sure I'm good, and then um, go and do the job that I'm supposed to do.
1: And and so when you get a new gig, let's say you get called up and you're gonna do Seal, and how much prep- How much time do you get? When you get one of these gigs to like learn their whole, because you you need to know all their songs, right? Because it, it, what if somebody like request? I don't know. Do they, they do they go off schedule and like they'll pull out like a classic they haven't played and like do you have to know their whole catalog?
0: No. Well, they'll usually send like a set list for you to to listen to. Maybe like a show tape from the the prior the previous drummer. Like, mm-hmm. okay, these are the arrangements. This is how I go. So just kind of study that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've flown from. Uh, la to dubai to do a show a one-hour show and i've only had that flight time to learn you know the the show wow you know so you got to keep it real simple you got to kind of you know just make sure you hone in on the kick patterns at least you got the kick patterns right you know at least
1: so if you're on a flight and you have to learn the whole thing between the time you're getting on the plane you're getting off and you're a drummer. How are you doing that on the play? You're, you're just listening and you're, are you moving your fingers, your hands and your feet while you're listening? What are you doing? How do you do that?
0: Um, uh, Just kind of internalizing everything. Wow. Just uh, kind of getting the rhythms and I don't, maybe I would write something down. I'm not really sure, but um, I would just kind of put my headphones on and like concentrate and hone in on it.
1: Um Chris I know you have to get ready to go uh to play um a show tonight so I just want to ask you uh, I want to thank you so much for doing this I'm I'm so grateful y- your your journey is extraordinary and I know that this is but the tip of the iceberg I have no doubt you will be playing with all of those heroes you mentioned um, I have one last question for you. Do you have, like, a guilty pleasure of, or, of any kind? Is there anything that you like to eat, to watch, to listen to, to do, that kind of you feel weird about that you hope nobody knows? that? Is there anything like that in your life?
0: No, not at all. Like, I watch, if, if I'm on the road for a amount of time, like, I watch Housewives. I oh, watch right. all of that stuff. The, the love and hip-hop. I Heck, watch the MTV cool. Team Mom, OG, I, w- I watch all of that stuff. I love, I love how um, the differences between people and how they grow up, and then you see the progress throughout the whole thing, how people think. Like how I was taught, I was taught I was real sheltered and it would come up under a real strict upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and coming to who I am now, you know, it's just interesting to see the journeys of some things. Like I like to play golf too. Wow, Which cool. is very expensive,
3: uh-huh. so
0: I don't really get to play as much as I would like. But um, those are one of my guilty pleasures for sure. I'll take some per diem and and go out and play a couple of rounds for sure.
1: You know, we didn't talk about that at all. And just really quickly, as a hired gun, are you like not making rock star money? Is it? Is it?
0: Oh no! I mean, I play with artists that I know. I've seen budget. I've seen uh, write ups of tours and shows and stuff in, I play. I can't name who they are, but mm-hmm. you know some of these artists get paid, you know, one point five million dollars a show. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're playing on a weekly basis, and you know we only get, you know, maybe less than one percent of that, wow. you know, for the entire week. Right. 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 Like, right. I mean, it's it's not rock star money. I'm not making fifty thousand dollars a show. I'm not. I'm not making fifty thousand dollars a week. Right. You know, I- it's just. It's, yeah, man, it's it's tough. It's tough, but you know, I've learned how to just kind of own in, do what I'm supposed to do. You know, keep it all funky, freshy, fresh and cool, and don't try and press myself on anything. It'd be all good.
1: I love the way um, Hired Gun, the film, is is putting you guys out there as not just this um, unnamed, unseen person behind the star. Like, you guys are coming front and center, and I think it's really fantastic. And I think it, it might affect the what happens to you moving forward. Um, the fact yeah. that people are going to see you, and and and, and they're going to know your name, and they're going to know what you look like, and they're going to... Know a little bit about you. I think it's pretty fantastic. It's a great film, and you were wonderful in it. And I'm excited for it to come out and for more people to know. Oh, me more. thank
0: you so much. June 29th. Yes. Type in hired gun it's in the theater. There, you one night only. Please That's... go and support. It's a great story.
1: Absolutely. And I'll be I'll be putting it out with the, with the podcast. And Chris, thank you so so much. Have a great show tonight, and uh, thank you so much for being here.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I, I'm
1: gonna have a great time. I thank you guys while I'm playing. Oh, sweet. We, we we wish we we could be there to watch. Yes, uh, from your view, I'd like to see J Lo from the back. <laughs> <laughs> have a great time. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank take you take so care. so Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Right. Wheezy. Wow. Okay. We both as soon as <laughs> as soon as Chris got off the line, we both looked at each other and went, "Sweetie." What a sweetie. Oh my God. I adore, I like, I want to pinch, first of all, you in person, I have to tell you, his smile lights up the whole room. He's got so much personality. So
2: I have a, a, a guilty pleasure. Oh, go ahead. Um, sometimes when you're talking to somebody on the phone yeah. that I have never met, I will Google them. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I Googled <laughs> him, so I knew what he looked
1: So you knew what he looked yeah, like. Yeah, he's adorable. He's ador- He's adorable, but you can't tell from the still pictures. Like, I've been going through all the stills of him that I could find on the internet today to try to pick one out to use for the featured photo for the for the podcast, because unfortunately I did not take a picture with him when I met him oh, last week. Oh, well, there's
2: week. a really cool one that's kind of like taken with a GoPro where he's surrounded
1: by his drums and then the arena behind him. I, uh, there's that, but yeah. there's also one where he's playing on a huge kit, and Rihanna's playing on a kit right in front of him. Ah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's really tempting. That's cool. It's like really, there's there's incredible photographs of him. But but what you can't tell, or what I haven't been able to find from any photograph that I found on him online is the essence of him that i had being in his presence mm-hmm. which uh, th- we got the energy and that loveliness and like we both were like what a sweetheart but yeah in person he's got that smile that goes with it mm-hmm. so he's he's absolutely gorgeous he's incredibly handsome and then he's got this great smile and and just there's a lot of warmth i mean i i felt the warmth on the air i could, I could feel it here um, in person even more so. it just uh, you just want to hug him. he's just really, really sweet and he's got this beautiful girlfriend that I didn't even get to ask him about because we had to kind of speed it up because he was going to do a show with J Lo, yeah. you don't you don't believe for that. Yeah. and um, but he's got a beautiful girlfriend and I can't uh, she's she plays with somebody huge too and I can't and she's gorgeous and she's a singer and and they're a beautiful couple and and he has seemingly this kind of normal life amidst all of this grandiosity mm-hmm. and the takeaway for me with chris is preparedness i mean this guy takes what he does for him to have gone from playing in a two piece non band in a church to playing at the beacon theater for the first time ever in his life and had to have never have played with the artist until sound check i mean what um that is somebody who does their homework that is somebody who takes their craft very seriously and and completely self taught right wow um
2: i think there's a, i think there's another element to people who really play in the big leagues yeah like he does mm-hmm. um i think he prides himself on his professionalism absolutely and and kind of this thing where i, I think you 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 know how to stay in your lane how to stay out of the way when mm. big personalities or maybe are going off the rails? Because as much as he said lovely things about Madonna and mm-hmm. J Lo, don't tell me they haven't gone off the rails because huh. I'm sure they have. And you just kind of you just kind of hunker down and do your thing and be excellent and you don't you don't become one of the waves you let those big waves kind of break and you just keep he, on
1: he was kind of saying that about Stevie Wonder kind of in his way he was like you don't take liberties with Steve like Stevie knows how every part's supposed to be played and unless he says to you give me more because I want that young stuff you don't give him anything but exactly what he wants you know I, I, ge- I get the feeling that Stevie takes his what he does very seriously and, and oh, I think they all do at that right, level. Right. right. Yes, of course, they all do at that level. and, and that level and that element of professionalism, I, you cannot get the gigs that Chris is getting and not have that attitude. You, you can't possibly be a player, you know in that world. yeah and, and, and thrive. You
2: have to be somebody that people want to travel with.
1: And can count on. Yeah, and can count you, on. And yeah. can count on completely that, you know, you are going to be where you're supposed to be and you're going to know every single thing you're supposed to. And you're not going to take a liberty and you're not going to get fancy liberty uh, that you're you're going to stick to the program um, and respect it. He, and that's the other thing. He's got that great family ethic that he was taught by his parents mm-hmm. and growing up in that, in that church, daily church going home that that respect for um authority for and craft and mm-hmm. yeah for excellence and for all of it um i like the guy a lot that's a great guy i cannot recommend enough for everyone out there to go see and you too easy oh you know i'm all over it june 29th <laughs> hired gun it's going to be um just one night only. I mean, they keep saying that, but there's no way.
2: Well, that's how you get nominated for an Academy is that Award. What, you yeah. have to play in a theater for at least one day.
1: Which is, I guess, why they're doing it. Sure. And and I can't imagine they're not going to get nominations out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. But then I'm sure the the film will then be available, but... This is a film you really want to see in the theater in the because theater, it's yeah. they're you're, they're showing Stadium Rock, Arena Rock, and they're you know yeah you gotta you have to have that that sound system and the yes. big screen yes. to really appreciate that stuff. And Al- Alice Cooper's f- featured in the film; it's just fantastic. Anyway, it was um a, a real I, I feel nice inside. Mm-hmm. He
2: made me. It's a it, treat to talk to him.
1: Yeah, like I feel clean and nice and like just that was just lovely anyway thanks so much louise for taking the journey with me sure and for all of you out there for taking the journey with us so um, we'll see you um, every tuesday but just for another couple of weeks because then we're going to be wednesdays and we're going to be live and we're going to be video and podcast so you'll be able to see us and listen to us with and makeup yeah we'll have to put on the makeup and We'll look pretty for you there you go Anyway, hope you all have a, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you back here on The Road Taken.